Hello and welcome to Dynasty as They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Hello, hello. Hi, Kyler. So I have a correction to start off the episode with, a major correction. Actually, you don't it's get not even a correction. Remember, whenever I ask for corrections, you edit them out. <laughs> <laughs> this is huge. This is a con, uh, a conspiracy, a dynasty conspiracy. Breaking a conspiracy on dynasty. Oh, that, come on now. <laughs> no, I have stumbled upon a major conspiracy that we almost fell prey to in last week's episode. So this is what had happened. We recorded the episode. And if you recall, what was the episode title, Kyler? Mideast Wedding. Well, that ain't the name of the episode. So we talked about it as the Mideast Wedding, and we even started the beginning of the episode wondering, why is this called Mideast Wedding? There was no wedding, and there was barely anything to do with the Mideast. Uh, even but, worse, it was a trap, because I think I even offered up some cockamamie explanation that was probably a stretch, like everything I say. Oh, yes, honey. We spent a good like two minutes talking about the episode title. And I was, you know, uploading the podcast and then I searched around a little bit and some places refer to the episode as the Mideast meeting. So I did what any good journalist does. I went and I got my Dynasty DVD box set and I put the disc in and sure as shit, this episode is called or last week's episode was called The Mideast Meeting, which makes a whole hell of a lot more sense than Mideast Wedding. So I don't know how this error happened, but it's not just Amazon. On iTunes, it's also listed as that. So at some point, somebody well, with the Dynasty license... Well, I hope Nancy license, and Marketing got fired over this. Well, I want to ensure that that does happen. Or at least I want to ensure when we, where we watch Dynasty, which is on Amazon Prime, because they're streaming it all for free if you have a membership. I wanted to make sure that they have the correct information. So... I well, now that I know diligence. all of this, I want a Mideast divorce. <laughs> well, I'm not ready. I have to file the papers first. So what that entails is I initiated an online chat with an Amazon customer service representative to alert them of this great I'm sure they error. escalated this top priority to all the executives in charge. I saved the transcript. Would you like me to read it? Um, it's been a while since we had a reading. Sure. So I initiated the customer service chat and I was speaking with a person named Jaren. That's J-E-R-R-I-N. Hello, my name is Jaren. I'll be glad to help you today. And then I said, hello, Jaren, how are you? And then Jaren said, I'm good. Thank you for asking. How are you? So this is off to a really pleasant start. I'm very well. Thank you for asking too. It's a little windy here, but otherwise the weather is absolutely gorgeous. That's me. I said that. And then Jaren goes, great. How can I help you today? So then I decide to, you know, pose the issue here. And I said to Jaren, I said, I host a mildly successful podcast about the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. It's called Dynasty as they want to be. My husband and I are watching every episode of the show. Thankfully, you stream it on Amazon Prime. I realized today that you have one of the second season episode titles wrong. So Jaren goes, are all the episode titles wrong? 
I said, no, it's the eighth episode of the second season. You have it listed as Mideast Wedding. The episode is in fact called The Mideast Meeting. Then Jaron says, let me check. Please give me a minute. And I said, certainly, here's the link. I sent him the link to the actual or her. I'm not sure of their gender uh, uh, of the episode. And a couple more minutes goes by. Uh, Thank you so much for waiting. It seems I'll have to transfer you to our specialist team for further assistance. It will only take a minute. Please remain connected. So this is great. We're making things happen. We're going to the top. Who's we? Where is the top? I don't know. I I feel that's the direction I'm going, even though I'm probably always in the gutter. So uh, Nandhini joins. Uh, that's N-A-N-D-H-I-N-I. Hello, my name is Nahendi. Please give me a moment to review the previous correspondence. Certainly, Nahendi. Uh, then Nahendi goes, thank you so much for waiting. It seems I'll have to transfer you to our specialist team for further assistance. It will only take a minute. Please remain connected. So at this point, am I having deja vu? Because that's the, almost the exact same thing that Jaron told me. Well, th- these so are I, these are classic tricks of customer service nonsense. Like, you know, you just get put in an endless spiral of repeating yourself to the next person until they wear you down and you give up and disconnect the phone call. I love Dynasty. So I am committed to making sure that the correct titles are there. So I'm not going to give up. So fine, Nahindi, transfer me to somebody else. Then Cynthia has joined. And this is Cynthia with an I. So C-I-N-T-H-I-A. I love a Cynthia with an I. Hello, my name is Cynthia. Please give me a moment to review the previous correspondence. Okay, she's sticking to the script. Hello, Cynthia, certainly. So then Cynthia says, she does not transfer me right away. She says, thank you for reaching us to let us know about the error on the title of season two, episode eight. I will report it right now so it can be fix as soon as as soon as possible wait did did she say she will report it yes i will report it right now exclamation point so it can be fixed at soon as possible so now i'm not confident this is going to get fixed because she has a lot of grammatical errors in Telling me, I think she's the one who writes the titles for Dynasty season two. You think Cynthia is the root of the problem? I think Mideast Wedding and Mideast Meeting is like sort of a English as second language translation problem or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, I mean maybe maybe a wedding is just like a meeting in in India or wherever or Pakistan they might be located for Amazon customer service. I don't know. I'm well, it's, it's two people coming together. You know, it it all kind of comes from some root word that somehow mistranslated and. And your problem's not going to get solved here. This is all just to make you feel like something's going to happen, but it never will. Yeah. Well, I asked typically how long does it take for these errors to be fixed? She said three to five business days. But um, yeah, that's kind of where where we left it. Um, so as of the recording of this podcast, I just checked and it is still listed as Mideast Wedding. But I didn't consider your point, which is maybe, you know, maybe wedding is is just slang for meetings. So, yeah, I'm, you know, at the office, I'm going to just start referring to all weddings as meetings after all of this. I'm sorry, I can't. I've got a wedding in five minutes. (laughs) 
Hey Bob, can we have a a wedding this afternoon? It'll. Just I need to call a wedding a before we leave today. Let's reconvene for our wedding right after this break. Welcome back. Oh my gosh, there's so much happening in this episode. We were back in Italy, and there's a race car race through the canyon, and Fallon and Jeff are going at it, and an abortion is imminent i i i just can't believe it we kind of are are picking up right back where we left off last week and fallon is gonna have this abortion and there's nothing jeff can do about it but hell if he's not going to try to stop it now he's enlisting the denver carrington legal team to see what recourse a husband has to stop his wife from getting an abortion that is not i think an appropriate use of company funds or personnel hell no but i did like the bit of continuity the lawyer that he was speaking with who had a very very thin blonde mustache was um one of the guys on the legal team when blake was uh was on trial at the beginning of the season at the and at the end of last season. Yeah, I think, so I think I, we were both like kind of bamboozled for a second. Where we were like, wait, is that the same guy who actually played this character like a episode and a half ago or whenever? And it's like, yeah, that's that's really, this is when you know it's nighttime soaps because they are spending the money for that continuity, baby. Yeah, they're going to get that actor back on the scene. And, you know, it doesn't go anywhere, obviously. <laughs> and the whole thing is presented as Jeff is asking for a friend. And, you know, nobody's buying that. I mean, even the lawyer's like, yeah, good luck to your friend. But, uh, I mean, basically, Jeff was treating the lawyer like he was Google. Like, he could have just Googled this information, but they didn't have Google in 1982. So, this... Uh, this lawyer had to kind of do Jeff's bidding and he later confronts Fallon in the library, which gasp the library has a television that Fallon is watching. Like some other, oh, that's what you took away from this. Oh no. It starts with like a, a zoom on like, she's drinking like a very tall glass of bourbon and water or something. I mean, it's, Honestly, it's probably just iced tea. I think it was iced tea. uh, But, you know, but she sets it down on the sofa table that's clearly demarcated by all of these decanters full of brown liquor. So mm, it's a suggestion, at least. What does it matter? She's getting rid of this baby. Yeah. So just party up, lady. My body, my choice. That's what she keeps saying. Well, yeah, and that is true. Um, But... Also, she probably should involve Jeff a, a little more, but it doesn't matter. Well, but her, it is interesting because, like, the lawyer even up. tells Jeff that, like, that he's got no no chance in court on this. Like, so clearly the pendulum was swung very far the other direction at this time. You know, it was it was very much the woman's choice, and now, of course, it's a little bit different these days. Yeah, well, Roe v. Wade, baby. What I despise about this whole thing is when Fallon goes over to Dr. Nick Toscani's house and just acts like a little fucking whiny brat. And she tells him that if it was his baby, she'd want to keep it. And I know we are not huge fans of Dr. Nick Toscani here at Dynasty as they want to be, but I was totally on board with everything he was saying. Fallon, your husband just might have some legitimate interest in not having someone destroy his potential child. I mean, you can understand that, can't you? As a wife, as a woman, as a human being. 
Nick, if it were your baby, I would want to have it. Why? You think I'd win the Daddy of the Year award? As an expression of the way I feel about you. That could be a very permanent expression for a very temporary feeling. Don't you also think, like, Dr. Nick is clearly just using her for his own revenge against Blake? I mean, that's, like, all part of, like, why he's up for a sex romp with, you know, with Fallon. But then, like, when she tries to come over and initiate some more of the uh, old in-out, in-out, you know, then he starts, like, guilting her on this whole baby thing and she's a married woman, blah, blah, blah. It's hard to tell, really, like, how deep this revenge plot goes like is it really motivating everything that dr nick Troscani is doing i don't feel like we really are getting that from him well as again like i i think his character is equivalent to a limp noodle but at the same time blake is very much at the center of like this sort of double-ended revenge plot you know because alexis is on the other side trying to get at blake so Blake is like whether whether we like it or not, always like the center really of the universe of dynasty. Um, and here especially, like he's got two adversaries working against him in this episode. Yeah, well, he definitely has Crystal working against him too. Oh, but but Crystal's minor leagues. She's just reacting to to what she thinks is going on with Blake. Like, but it's really Doctor Nick and Alexis who are playing at the high level here with Blake and and almost beat him at, at Blake's game, uh, or at least so far. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, well, but Crystal is being a real thorn in his side as much as she can be on a telephone outdoors. How long do you think that cord was? Well, I, I think there is this whole sort of like little telephone game thing that's happening in the beginning of the episode um, which is a little bit of an extension, AO, of like previous like phone conversations and a couple of episodes prior. But you know, you've got like Alexis basically tricks Blake over the phone to come out to Rome, right? Like she baits him out of Denver, Colorado to come, you know, subjugate himself to this Rashid Ahmed and make this deal so he can get his oil tanks back, right? But that's all just like done over the phone, a la distance. And and this is the same thing where like Blake's on the phone with Crystal while she's out on the patio, you know, like moping as she does. And she's she more or less questions him like about who else is there? Where is he? Like, what's he up to? And like, he doesn't say anything about Alexis, uh, but, you know, like he conveniently omits that. So it's a lie of omission. Right. So like there's this whole thing, like how like the long distance phone call is this means of deception and and establishing personal distance between people in close relationships. And and then, you know, Crystal even says, like, after she's done with this phone call, well, good luck with whatever, you know, like half eye roll. <laughs> what time is it there? Well, there's an eight-hour time difference. It's 4.30 here. Crystal. Announcing the arrival of I just wanted to call you to tell you that I love you and that I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snap at you the way I did before I left. But this thing that's come up, well, it's absolutely vital to the future of Denver Carrington. But believe me when I tell you that it's not more important than you are to me. Sure, I understand. Well, good luck with whatever. She's like, you know, she's like back to her like 
passive aggressive self again which i think is one thing we love about her versus alexis who's very just sort of aggressive right but then he like then he he like before he gets off he's like well i'll phone you from rome which is more like i'll lie to you from rome like then there's like later this thing with like nick you know when fallon comes over and he says well i'm a doctor i answer phones right she's like pissed that he's like ducking out on her he's like getting dressed to leave and you know again it's like this whole idea that like you know these phones are like some sort of like uh barrier between two people and like and then of course later in that scene fallon answers his phone when it rings which is like ultimate rude move and she kind of gets the truth actually it's it's crystal on the other end right sort of like seeing yourself coming around the corner but it's like funny because crystal's like yes it's dr nickin i have an appointment and fallon's just acting like the you know the secretary or whatever and um i'll take a message but like how did crystal not recognize fallon's voice on the phone here you know so yeah i thought that as well i thought it was a little weird but she didn't say too much so i let it slide but i think it's i think it's a cool little thing because it's fallon and crystal on on each end of the the line talking to each other like it's almost like doppelgangers in a way what i thought was really telling from all of that telephone gabbery was at the beginning when uh Blake says, I love you when he's on the phone. And then Crystal just says, I'll talk to you later. She doesn't say, I love you back. Ooh, so chilly. Because I know when you and I argue and somebody doesn't say, I love you back, it's like World War Three. Wait, are we really airing our couples therapy here on national podcast well what would you rather go to dr nicholas toscani and talk about it no because he doesn't even psychoanalyze anybody he's busy delivering babies and and preventing miscarriages or something like i've i don't understand how a psychiatrist is up to all of these other (laughs) medical procedures don't forget driving a delorean around and fucking uh potential patients on his red sheets maybe maybe he's just like the back to the future connection and this is all just like an alternate reality i don't know well what feels like in a total alternate reality to me is this steven sammy joe storyline so this little hussy is not gonna stop until she beds him and so her tactic now is uh going and souping up his uh it's not the Lamborghini. What is it? Trans Am? No, this is just a... It's a 1979 or maybe 1980 Trans Am. It's kind of a, a fun, shady move. I just love like this whole thing with like the, the hot ingenue chasing down the gay hunk or whatever. I, you know, whatever we're supposed to get from this. And, and again, the roles are reversed. She's tuning his motor, a.k.a. Is that a cheap sex metaphor? I don't know. Um, but it's at this point, the writing, you can just throw most of these things away. And that's actually what I'm loving about this episode. And, and Steven and Sammy here are sort of emblematic of that because we're, we're no longer like, you know, tied down by faux literary aspirations. And we're not even really like doing high melodrama anymore. We've just gone straight into soaps and suds land. And I, I think it's it's great, you know, and, and we've got Joan to make up for all the facts that Steven's character is kind of boring me now. And Sammy Joe isn't really like, I don't know, what, what is she really here for? Like, we yeah, we've seen her tune up a car a couple times now. So, like, it, it, it's just all like once we get into the, the crazy plot lines with the tabloid and the paparazzi and Alexis, you know, trying to bed Blake and 
all of these like very soapy things like this this episode kind of proves out like my theory from bef- like the prior couple episodes where we really have like left everything behind and we've this is now what dynasty is now you know this is the current iteration and all that is just really just go back to steven and sammy joe and i don't know what, what she's supposed to be like doing something wild and crazy to his car so he can like win this you know this rematch with buddy you know who like was the inciting incident with the whole like gay conversion thing at the track um but here they're like getting off track right she's taking their show on the road i just love that like souping up his engine is just a matter of uh shooting a timing gun at the distributor i mean like that's like sort of like the armchair mechanics you know idea of like how you you know make a race car but i mean honestly like a pontiac well whatever she did it was working for steven because oh no that turned him on like he picked up that timing gun and like he was like foreplay over let's go for like full penetration in the garage and as soon as he won what did he want to do he wanted to take sammy joe to the cabin and we know what happens at the cabin you mean the love cabin is where steven has heterosexual Mm -hmm. sex this funky little shack is like it's becoming sort of yeah it's a moniker for uh you know the the old straight conversion nest and i don't know if you caught it but that wasn't the only thing that confirmed for me that steven is now a heterosexual also when he was talking to fallon about her uh, abortion he was reading the very heterosexual magazine sports right which i I wanted to research it that's like a real thing but I'd like to imagine it's just not, and the producers, no. <laughs> the producers just thought like we need to get the message across in very uh, one-syllable masculine words, sports. So, well, I remember several episodes ago on the plane, um, Blake was reading like Holocaust magazine. We like, never really I don't know addressed who that. in the production is trolling everybody. Well, my favorite is the tabloid Reveal magazine, which plays a central part in this week's episode. Yeah, well, I don't know which parts you're talking about because like Alexis is basically showing all of the parts. Yeah, so they go from Rome up to northern Italy. That's all they call it and uh go to ahmed's villa now did you recognize ahmed's villa a little fun fact here no i just assumed it was like a popular thing that gets used for sets i don't know was it like pasadena or the the randolph no william randolph hearst castle or something it has been embroiled in a legal controversy for years katie perry tried to buy this property it was a convent for decades and decades After and decades seeing season two episode nine of dynasty <laughs> i think they did live there while this was being filmed buy um, me that villa it's just it's a huge sprawling property and there's still a house of worship there that i think is is still in use but um, yeah, it has been used in a lot of productions. But yeah, it was a convent. These nuns must have a really great legal team because uh, they didn't let Katy Perry get her paws on the property. And they've kind of claimed ownership of it for themselves, even from from the Catholic Church itself. So it's a pretty incredible story. I guess I had to be there. I don't know. I think the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, they could, they could be characters on Dynasty because... Uh, They've been holding on to this property since 72. Um, they actually kind of were. I don't know if you've noticed, 
Did you see the airport experience at the beginning of the episode? Well, maybe they were the nuns from the villa and they were like, look, we'll give you a walk on roll. You'll be a featured extra. You'll be walking past John Forsythe in a very vital scene at the Parisian airport. Yeah, in, in exchange for full trampling of landscape at the villa that you own. So let's talk about this. So Alexis has lured Blake Carrington to this villa. Ahmed is nowhere to be seen, which we knew that's what her game plan was the last episode. And he lies, 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 as you were saying to Crystal on the phone, and is just is just soaking up that Tuscan sun. And Alexis wants some lotion on her back. Oh, yeah, the old suntan lotion trap. How many times have you seen that one? So, yeah, like, which, of course, turns into paparazzi that she's paid off, you know, getting the goods, as we like to say. And Yeah, like if you couldn't infer it, they actually have a scene where she's, like, you know, got a handful of money. I'm so glad they put that scene in because I just wasn't sure, was she behind that or not? Yeah, you you needed her like foisting Lyra and laughing maniacally, ha ha ha, looking at the uh, the film. Well, this this sort of like lends that angle of tabloid sleaze to the whole thing, which I I find uniquely early to middle nineteen eighties was like sort of the high watermark for for this. You know the the National Enquirer we take for granted today, but you know there was so much of this, and it wasn't really refined until you know, right now in pop culture history. And so I think we're seizing on another sort of, you know, artifact of the 1980s culture that Dynasty is so well known for. Totally. And we get everything. We get we get a reference to the paparazzi. We get the lurid headline, um, you know, and we even get Dr. Nick calling it a rag, you know, keep this out of my office. And and I will say as a journalist, I was very appreciative that they called out the fact because as soon as this started happening, I was thinking, who the fuck would care to read this story and especially put it on the front page? But A, Alexis is like buying this uh, publicity. And B, Blake says, it's the 80s, baby. People want to read about the sex lives of tycoons. That's the kind of gossip they want to hear. Yeah. The man who rules the world. So this is like capitalist greed as a social aspiration. Well, yeah. And hello, totally foreshadowing because, I mean, Donald Trump was already in the picture around this time anyway, but... You know, look at all of the publicity and attention he got for his tabloid affairs in the 80s and 90s and now that he's the president. But it's very clear that this is just one more of, you know, the tricks up Alexis's sleeve and she's taken over this whole business deal with Blake. You know, like this should have been his deal and somehow she got, she insinuates herself and then she's just totally like taken over. I wish I'd stop being so irritable. This is a very delicate situation. Now, tomorrow, your precious oil tankers can all be back in your stable, providing that not one word of this leaks out to anybody. Not your company, not Andrew Laird, not even your lovely wife, number two. I'd like to remind you that Crystal is number one. How could I forget? 
like but like it's funny she just sits there on the sofa and she's like would you like to have some of that champagne now you know like this is sort of like where Blake has to acknowledge she's got the upper hand in the deal which by the way I just love like dinner when you're on the dynasty diet right it's like what two sips of champagne and a nibble on a strawberry and maybe a shellfish platter just for show well that's if you're in italy but if you're back in denver at dr nicholas toscani's frank lloyd Wright condo you have to frank eat lloyd the wrong looking plate of spaghetti ever <laughs> yeah with with more like depressing chopin music playing in the background and dr nick's got some some real issues to work out well as much as he loves to talk about his Italian heritage, you think he could do better than like Chef Boyardee. Well, this is like how like the music package for this season so far is like totally amazing and like really plays into what's happening on screen. But then like you go to Rome and you hear like the Olive Garden commercial music, you know, it's like lots of dun 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 dun, dun like mandolins and it's very stereotyped that's a more yeah maybe uh, i'd take less of it but yeah the amore is not hot so we've got blake and alexis smooching at the end of their little italian excursion and then i didn't see it coming you kind of were foreshadowing it but Crystal and Dr. Nick share a smooch too. Yuck. That's grosser than the spaghetti. Well, it's it's interesting to compare these two smooches, right? Because Alexis and Blake smooch, but this is like a guilty smooch. And like Alexis is like, she's already kind of won her hand for this round at least. And, you know, she's what Rashid and Blake have this like sort of like negotiation out on the villa, you know, and the, the, the fountains or whatever and it turns out that blake's actually going to take the upper hand on that one and rashid's going to probably get liquidated by his boss if he doesn't deliver something so like you know so that's sort of like yeah mildly interesting but it's just more like oil business stuff that we don't really care about i but i actually really like that because a lot of this business stuff on this show is boring snoozeville zzzzzzz but that conversation between Blake and Rashida Med was actually like kind of hot. Like Blake was really negotiating with him. And uh, later on, Rashida Med kind of admitted that he was backed into a corner and he loved the fact that Blake went for the jugular. Yeah. And that's when it all kind of comes back to Alexis because, you know, Rashid demands an explanation and, Basically, you know, it's all out there on Front Street that Alexis really just works for herself and she's used Blake and Rashid against each other and love. She's already kind of exacting her own revenge because she really doesn't care about this oil deal or even being a part of Blake's like salvation on this deal. She's really more about this paparazzi situation that she's contrived and breaking up the marriage with crystal um so that's really her coup in this whole deal like so the those two guys can go fight it out over some oil tankers but it's really all about you know getting crystal's goat and she clearly does but you know like and that's not enough for for alexis though then she's like well let me see if i can bed blake right yeah it's not enough it's not enough she's one and she still wants to see how far she can take it which I think will get her into trouble eventually. Yeah, and then she's kind of good at doing that like throughout this show. So I, I guess we'll we'll see that in, in a minute. But 
But yeah, she doesn't quite get him into bed, but she at least gets a kiss out of him. But that's already like a guilty smooch, at least on his behalf. But yeah, then you then you like kind of like parallel that with Crystal and Dr. Nick. And that's like, you know, the big I don't know if we call it a cliffhanger, but that's the high note that the show ends on, um, which is very much like Crystal is not guilty about that. And that's sort of like a little bit of a a revelation about this character, like because she's always been sort of you know, at least minding her P's and Q's, if not a bit prudish about, you know, stepping out on Blake, even though she's certainly had her moments with that. Yeah, I don't know about that. She's now made out with Dr. Nick Toscani. She made out with Matthew Blaisdell. According to my tally, Blake only had a kiss, which he didn't even really want to do, with Alexis, his ex-wife. So... Crystal got some splaining to do. She a bad girl. Well, but she's bad because she can't like empower herself. And this is what all of her, you know, passive aggressiveness gets her, you know, a, a bad, you know, makeout session with Dr. Nick and some high strings and closing credits. She's got to pull herself together. Like she's got to get over the troubles that she's had and realize that Dr. Nick is not going to solve them. I mean, I think She's even said that to Blake multiple times. So I would really love to see her stand up for herself more. I mean, I know that's not really in the DNA of the character, but it's super frustrating watching her make all these dumb mistakes. Well, and and another dumb thing about this mistake is like she even like discovers the tabloid in his jacket pocket. So she even knows that he's taking advantage of her by playing on her emotions that he knows she's already distressed over this thing with Blake that she's seen. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. In the yeah, in the local edition of Reveal or whatever. You knew about this all the time, didn't you? I knew it was painful. I figured you'd deal with it when you got ready. How do you deal with betrayal? No wonder he couldn't tell me where he was going or why I couldn't go with him. Crystal. <laughs> He's not worth your tears. <laughs> she's she's kind of like, I don't know. She's She needs to be held to account on a couple of issues here with this whole Dr. Nick situation. All right. Well, I'll be interested to see what happens when Blake and Alexis come home. I think it's going to be drama for sure. Yeah, I just think it's so fun that Alexis has set Blake up and he still doesn't know it yet. Like, yeah, wait, wait till he gets a copy of last week's reveal. <laughs> Well, Kyler, I hope you're sitting down because you're never going to believe who I am crowning. I think for the first time in the history of dynasties, they want to be with the Lurk of the Week Award. Do you want to guess? No, just go ahead and reveal. Blake Carrington. Wait, are you hot for this like pastel lilac polo number at the villa? It wasn't a polo. It was a sweater and it was the hotness. Also, Blake Carrington was wearing white pants. Is this like when Obama wore a tan suit? Is this like suddenly so scandalous? Exactamundo. I am living for it. I think he's never looked better. And this goes along with what I've been saying, how Alexis needed a reason to be fabulous. Blake Carrington needed a reason to dress up and wear something better than those dusty old wool suits he's always in. So he packed 
all of his hot shit and brought it to Italy. And did you notice at the end there in that final scene with Alexis where he's wearing the silk robe that the robe is monogrammed with his name? Oh, yeah. Of course we noticed that. It's it's uh, silver and burgundy. You know, it's like Dr. Pepper colors. Who packs a monogrammed robe and brings it with them? It's That's the sort of thing that you would do. Um, Blake Carrington's majordomo packs it. That's who. I mean, I guess there's no bag limit when you're Blake Carrington and you're flying to Rome. So, yeah, just... Put in the pastel sweaters and the monogram robe. You never know. I might be stuck in a villa with uh, the former Mrs. Carrington. I mean, when in Rome, pack your light cable knit pastel lilac sweater. Mm-hmm. So what was your look of the week? Um. Well, for me, there's a lot of clothes to talk about. I don't want to get too detailed, but my look of the week is, is Claudia in this like ivory blouse dress thing. Um, it's a, we didn't even talk about Claudia. Well, I think this is where we talk about her because like her moment to shine, at least with Jeff is in this dress and, and like all the characters really are wearing these like, you know, cinched at the waist, blousey, you know, silk or imitation silk dresses that are like sort of unbuttoned down to the middle and, you know, like but all of them have varying collar and shoulder details. And so there's some interesting things to like look at there just generally with, with what the women are wearing in this episode. But Claudia is like, she's got this like weird thing where they put her in heels. She's a little bit, you know, she's a miniature and, and then like you have the high waist and she just kind of like minces around, you know, the office and this, like this, this dress and, it's it's a lot of like what she's wearing now, but like it's not really, I don't know. Something's happened to her, and like I said this before, like her character transforms from an empowered sort of like sex goddess to this tawdry office strumpet. Yet, like Jeff's asking her for the woman's point of view, you know, on this whole like thing with with Fallon and marriage and having the babies. And there clearly is no employee handbook at Denver Carrington because you should not be asking the secretaries their views on abortion. The t- the extent of of his you know uh, workplace harassment only goes to the fact that he clearly is staring at her ass when she walks out of the frame at the end of this scene well pamela bellwood does have a great bootay yeah, i mean she's it, that ass does not quit but the, the bottom line is like here she is with this ineffectual jeff you know whereas she used to be you know with with matthew and you know and matthew is obviously this like ultimate masculine symbol right and jeff is just like this sort of you know alpha maybe beta yuppie male so it's interesting how she's like presented now in this very 80s office look that we would like it probably could carry forward all the way through the 80s honestly like she she's already got like her hair is already about to be over processed and there's a little bit of shoulder her hair is so 80s and so fabulous like the the hair crew I think love her and they do not like Pamela Sue Martin because her hair is looking so Shih Tzu to me it's terrible. Well, we're still in a, a funky transition with wavy curly hair. We're not really doing Farrah Fawcett anymore unless you're just trashy Sammy Joe. 
and like yeah we're trying to take the hairdos to the next stage and we're not quite there yet but yeah and also claudia's got this like ridiculously red lipstick on almost inappropriate for the workplace but maybe very appropriate for the 80s workplace but so she relates a little bit though in that way to again like fallon's like royal blue jumpsuit at the very first scene where she's a dr nix which is then mirrored by crystal's basically royal blue dress um but it's interesting because fallon's in a jumpsuit version and crystal's in a dress version fallon's jumpsuit has like the puff shoulders um which here we're now finally seeing the 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 powerful shoulders evolving right and then crystal's like got the the very soft pleated shoulders so there's like these differences between what fallon and crystal are wearing to dr nick's house in the beginning and the end and crystal's very vulnerable and fallon is very aggressive both in behaviors and in what they're wearing. And yet they're both kind of wearing mirror images of the same blousy royal blue. You know, it's all these like solid colors and silky materials um, that are like over blousy and overdraped. Yeah, all the clothes are very dialed up this episode. And there's a look of the week for me, but I think everybody's kind of both feeding into their characters and just into the the, the sort of, you know, the progress we're seeing in, in 80s costuming here. Well, I'm going to go down to HR and report this. Well, that wraps up another edition of Dynasty As They Want to Be. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me. And I also want to thank you, the listener, for listening to us prattle on about Dynasty. And if you like it, leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you can review and rate podcasts. Let us know what you think. Uh, Kyler, we actually have a new review on uh, iTunes that somebody actually wrote. It wasn't just like five stars, submit, done. Somebody actually took the time. Dave CI, that's the username, um, gave us a five-star review. Wicked awesome. Oh, thanks, Dave. He says, despite Derek's impossible accent, excuse moi and Kyler's impossible name, hmm? these two entertain the hell out of me. Having been a Dynasty fan since childhood and having seen every episode more than four times, Oh, Dave, you are a super fan. Nasty Podcast puts a modern lens on the epic story of the Carringtons for me. I love listening and laughing. Please, that's in all caps, please keep it up for all nine seasons! Exclamation point. We're going to try, Dave. But here's the thing, Dave. If I keep doing it for nine seasons, that's going to be a lot of me doing Joan Collins' accent. Maybe... Maybe by the time we get to the Colbys, you won't be able to tell the difference because my accent will be so good, darling. Absolutely wonderful. Anyway, thanks for the review, Dave C. Keep listening. We'll keep making Dynasty as they want to be. And and keep listening and make sure to follow us on all our social media channels. We're at Nasty Podcast. That's Nasty, N-A-S-T-Y Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Uh, and also thanks to Lindsay Mound, who made our, our logo and the graphics on our site at nastypodcast.com. And DJ Drugo, who did our amazing theme song. We'll see you for next week's episode. It looks like we actually will have a wedding or a meeting. Is it a wedding or a meeting? I don't know. 